Today's culture seems to be moving in polar opposite directions. No matter what side of the aisle you are, you are on, it feels like maybe even that aisle is getting further away from you as well. So today on Life Talks, we are going to look for a way to land in the middle. I am Life Talks producer Britt Nipper sitting in with Pastor Dan Burrell. Pastor Ben is out this week, so it's a pleasure to be back with you, Pastor Dan. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, I'm looking forward to this topic because this is one where I've experienced a little bit of a personal evolution over the years. I used to be the guy that liked to stand on the edge and look down and um, lob bombs at anybody uh, that was approaching me just to see what would happen, and I think as I've aged and calmed down a bit, but also I think our culture has shifted dramatically Mm. during my lifetime. It seems to be like we we thrive on outrage now, and in order to be outrageous, we have to be at an extreme, and so the extremes are are more defined than ever, um, and and they're louder and angrier than ever. Have you seen the the meme that Elon Musk created? And I know I just divided half the people <laughs> listening by saying his name, even, um, but it's a meme, and and this is going to be riveting podcast content right here because I'm going to describe a picture as you're listening to this podcast. But it's a meme that Elon Musk put out, and what it is is that you've got somebody to the left, you've got somebody to the right, and you've got a line that says center, and Elon Musk is just to the left of center. And this was in 2008. Then he has one in 2012 where the right center and Elon Musk are in the same spot, but the person to the left is running further to the left. And then 2022, the right's the same, he's the same, the center has moved left, and the person to the left has gone even further left, and now he's turned around and calling Elon Musk a bigot. Yeah. And of course, people have taken the meme and done it uh, to the opposite as well. And the right is just as guilty of it. Mm -hmm. But it shows how how far people like yourself, and I would even consider myself the same way as we used to, I used to feel like I was more in the center, but now you really don't know which way to look because both right and left have gone so far out of sight that this, I think we need to define what the middle even is anymore to know where to begin. Yeah. You know, it's ironic that for years I would have been the guy on the far right. Uh, for for years, I was taking what I consider to be pretty, um, you know, principled right mm-hmm. conservative positions. Today, I feel like a centrist um, because there are a lot of people who are very angry with me. For instance, I'm a I'm I'm not a big fan of Donald Trump. Um, I I'm not a a, a Christian nationalist. I'm not. Uh, there, there are other you know positions that we take. I, I happen to think uh, um, Mary um, Marjorie Green and and the and and uh, the guy from Florida uh, and and the one from Colorado um, are are just as dangerous and extreme as AOC and yeah. some of the others yeah. um, on the left. And and I find myself being thoroughly castigated by people that that in another generation would have been advocates or <laughs> or at least friends. Um, I mean, I've been unfriended by many many people for my compromising ways. When I don't feel like I've changed a bit, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, the world has changed. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's a hard world to to live in and to feel like you know where to fit in because everybody wants you to identify as something. They want you to say what your position is politically, and it's mm-hmm. really hard to say that when the two sides have gotten so far away. So, what we want to try to do today is just kind of find a way back to the middle, get some principles on how we can get to the middle and maintain a middle way. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm, here's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that <clears throat> because politics is always an issue that causes a lot of inflammation of feelings and emotions, but it is also trickled into everything from our marriages to our friendships, mm. to how churches mm-hmm. view each other, just our general deportment. And, and, you know, there's a lot to be said in the Bible for moderation. There's, there's a, a lot for um, the ability to live peaceably. Unity is not the natural state of fallen man. We know that, uh, you know, even if you go back to the idea of, of where we came from, when we were one with God, um, you know, there was no division in the world. We were uni- unified with him. Sin was the great uh, divider. And, um, and, and indeed, that division has caused us to lose our wholeness. Uh, a whole number is an integer. Um, and that's where we get our word integrity. Mm. Satan divides us from truth. Satan divides us from God. Satan divides us from that which is right and and, and righteous and holy. Um, and he does that through division. He does that through fractionalizing us. And so we need to understand that we need to be seeking truth and we need to be seeking God. And the closer we get to him, the closer to integrity we are. Um, but that Satan is the great divider and he is, he is here to destroy us, to divide us, uh, to injure us. So it's important that we fight for unity and that we fight for peace because they don't just spontaneously break out in any human relationship due to our natural sin state. Yeah, and it seems like we come into a relationship, n- new or old, looking for that division. Mm-hmm. Like, where do you stand on A, B, C, and D? Well, here's where I stand. Well, then we can't get along anymore. Yeah, it's kind of interesting even to talk to people who are in that dating phase, you know. Uh, it's almost like you have to have a pre-date interview, like, um, <laughs> who did you vote for last election, and what is your position on X, Y, and Z political things, uh, before you even are willing to be in the same room with them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think it's a sad state, but it's a commentary on where we're at. So how do we get to the middle, Dan? That's the question today. How, how, do, we, how do we find a way to find some common ground with one another? Yeah, um, I've, I've got several that I've, I've listed. Uh, the, f- the first thing is this. We've got to learn how to listen again. And we need to be able— What did you say? No, the fact is many of us, when we say we're listening, we're not. What we're doing is we're planning on— responding to what the first thing we heard, which we disagreed with. Waiting to speak, right? When, yeah. when I'm coaching and counseling with couples who are involved in, you know, some acrimony of some level, um, I, I have an exercise that I do where I, I force the person not to speak while the other spouse is speaking, and I give them a certain amount of time to speak. Um, and then at the end of it, they usually, the other person, ah, yeah, it's now, now it's my turn. Here I go. And they start repudiating or, or or responding to the first thing they heard that was negative. And I said, no, 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 no. Before you speak, I need for you to tell back what you heard the other person say. Mm. They can usually remember the first thing they said that ticked them off and nothing after that. So I make the person go back and repeat everything only this time. It's with the idea that you're going to be held accountable for hearing and listening to what the other person is saying. That's good. So it's it's really vital that we learn to listen again because sometimes the greater truth is found in the explanation, not in the initial statement. What about the person who would say, and this may be a harsh way to put it, but like, if I listen to your position, it's going to corrupt me potentially. If I listen, and, and specifically talking maybe a belief system or something yeah. like that, if I if I truly listen to what you have to say, it's it's going to hurt 
me and what I believe in my position. Yeah, you know, and that's a fear-based response that's often given from a position of weakness, in my opinion. Mm. And I've heard that for years. You know, I heard Christians often told, "Don't talk to the non, don't talk to the atheists, don't because they might convince you." Well, if your beliefs <laughs> and your faith is so weak that it cannot stand a verbal challenge, then there's there's a bigger problem going yes. on here. And indeed, you may need to spend more time learning and and understanding why you believe what you believe. Uh, but I've, I've never felt that way. Um, you know, on my core beliefs, you're not going to be able to change me, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you are going to help me be able to understand where you're coming from. And I may take it as a challenge to be able to show you uh, strongly why I believe the way I do and why I don't believe the way that, that you do. Uh, but I, I think it's very important that we do learn to listen. Um, and when we listen, we also listen from a point of knowledge and information that we indeed understand why we believe the way we do. Yeah. And it, it may help to shape how you respond to that person. And if you truly do listen to them, what what you initially were going to tell them may change depending on what they say or what you hear from them. Or they may even let you in on, hey, I'm struggling with this. And you mm-hmm. have an answer to guide them. Yeah. And I think as a routine, it's a good thing to, to, to make sure to clarify that we have heard them correctly. Um, and often, particularly if it's a kind of a hostile conversation or one that has the potential to go off the rails, I'll stop saying, okay, before I respond to what you said, let me make sure I understood you clearly. You basically have said to me, you believe this because of these reasons. Did I understand you correctly? Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, it makes the other person feel respected. The second thing is that sometimes I don't hear things correctly. Sometimes I hear emotion where I'm, I'm missing facts. Um, and, and, and so they, it gives a respectful uh, kind of a, a, a period in time whereupon we're moving closer to at least hearing each other. Mm-hmm. My wife cannot stand any TV show that has simple misunderstandings, yeah. which to me is just the funniest thing in the world. The three's company type stuff. It's yeah. just, if you would just tell them what happened, it would the show would be over in two minutes. Right. She can't stand it. I think a lot of times we get into arguments with people because of those simple misunderstandings. Something you thought you thought the other person was thinking they weren't, and you argue it. Yeah, and then you feel stupid at the end because <laughs> exactly. you missed it early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so the next one, and this one's going to be tough for a lot of people, consider that you may not be 100% correct. Yeah, this is really important. Um, no one has a corner on the truth. And, you know, and, and by the way, I'm going to say this. This is true theologically mm. as well as politically and relationally in all the other areas. Um, there are things I feel very strongly about theologically. I mean, I would classify myself as a theological fundamentalist and that I believe there are core theological truths that I am unwilling to consider compromising on. Um, but there are a lot of applications. There are a lot of interpretations uh, upon which I do not have the same level of clarity. Even if I have established a position that I've decided I'm going to land here on this position, um, you know, I feel, I, you know, I'm a pastor of a non-denominational church, but my theological background is Baptist. Um, I, I grew up in that. Um, but, you know, one of the things I've learned over the years is that Baptists have been wrong on some things. And and the fact is that there are other areas in which, I'm, you know, we share these values, these doctrinal positions in common with other denominations. Denominations, and that does not make other denominations my enemy if we don't align up in 100% of the areas. We do need to line up in the core issues for certain elements of fellowship. But 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 the fact that uh, a church may um, um, 
you know, have a mode of baptism or have a, um, you know, a position on complementarianism versus egalitarianism or a position, um, you, you know, maybe they believe that the King James is the only version of the Bible you should use. I, I don't believe that. But it doesn't mean they're not my brothers. It doesn't mean that that we can't agree on on the vast majority of things because when we get to heaven, um, we're all going to discover how wrong we were on some things, you know, yes. and, uh, and it's going to be embarrassing I think, initially if there's such a thing as embarrassment in heaven. Um, and, and so we, we have to be, be true on that. And, you know, I've come around on some things politically as well. You know, um, I probably feel different on a lot of issues with immigration than a lot of my conservative friends do. Um, but, but I will tell you a lot of that is born from my experience of traveling the world the way I have. Mm, and yeah. when you've been to other countries, you understand the mentality and mindset of people who are so desperate for a, you know, a breath of free air, who are so desperate for an opportunity for their children and grandchildren that they are willing to, you know, risk life and limb and maybe even do something illegal just for that hope. Um, but that, that's no different than my ancestors who crawled on boats and traveled an ocean for over a month mm. in order to get here. It, 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 it takes a certain level of desperation. Um, and, yeah, I believe we ought to keep our laws, and I don't believe in open borders, but I do believe in compassion. Yeah. And those those are not necessarily convicting or conflicting values. Um, but but the reality is that there are things that are still emerging. We're still learning. There, there are forces at play. There are things that drive that we need to be at least aware of and open to the idea that we don't have all the information at hand. Yeah, and I think that rolls great into the next point that we want to discuss, and that's kind of like a compromise or a both and. Um, you even said your thoughts are evolving. My thoughts are evolving. Mm -hmm. Some people would disagree that you can't compromise. Like, I I believe this, you believe this, no compromise whatsoever. How do we work to find that that compromise? Yeah, the person that's not open-minded to that is also the person who probably has never apologized for anything in, the, in mm -hmm. their life. Um, and, and those are kind of people that I really you know, um, have issues with that, that are not comfortable to be around. Um, we all need to apologize sometimes and we all need to, you know, and I say, I, I literally like to search for the middle way. What is the win-win situation? What is, what is it? And, and often we have to stop saying, well, it's either this or that. And we say, well, maybe it can be both and. Um, and, and there are a lot of areas in our, our life. And then another thing is, is this concept of incrementalism. Um, sometimes persuasion does not take place like a light switch. It takes place like a dimmer switch that the mm. more light you, you put on a situation, the more truth is exposed. Um, there's a situation in North Carolina right now that I've really, really struggled with on principle. I believe that life begins at conception. Mm -hmm. I believe that we need to protect all life. I believe that from the moment the sperm meets the egg, that that is a human life and it is worthy of, of a certain civil rights and certainly worthy of life itself. Um, we know that since the Dobbs decision that a lot of these things are now being fought in state courts. Uh, we know that North Carolina, through a variety of political maneuvers and so forth, that um, – we have now had a bill proposed and which has been passed by a supermajority of the Republicans in the Senate and the House in the state of North Carolina that allows for no abortions to take place after six weeks of pregnancy. Um, now, I have good friends who are saying, no, we must oppose that bill because it doesn't go far enough. Um, and so they want they want people to vote against it for that reason. And at one point on the sheer principle of it, I felt that way as well. But at this point, I'm realizing at this time in history, the best protection, the most protection that we can get for unborn children is the six-week time frame. Do I wish it was zero weeks? I do. But 
should I then say, okay, we're going to leave the current state in where you can get an abortion past the point of viability mm. or past the point of quickening or past the point of where they feel um, simply because of this? Or could I win this fight and go back another day and win the next fight? And that's where I've come down on this. And so kind of like a take the best you can get right take now. Take the best you can get because it's politics. Yeah. Here's the reality. In theology, um, you know, there there you can go with the no compromise because compromise is the death knell of sound theology. But compromise is the lifeblood of good politics mm. because politics requires you, otherwise you're a totalitarian yeah. uh, dictator or you're a fascist. Yeah, take a little, give a little, take a little, <laughs> yeah. give a little. You, you yeah. have to. And while I don't like the fact that the values of life collide with politics as they do in our country, they do. And the reality is, Every life is worth fighting for. So if I can't win the, the the whole war, at least I can win this battle. So that's why I've taken that. Again, I've got good friends who absolutely think I'm, you know, a heretic for for even compromising at that level. Yeah. But for me, that's a both and. Yeah. It's a both and. So I, I think a lot of times what we do is we narrow our focus to the point that we become ineffective. And whether it's, you know, deciding where we're going to go to dinner or whether it's deciding how we're going to work out a financial issue in an organization or whether or not we're going to, um, you know, what style of music we're going to enjoy in our church, both and is often a better answer than either or. Yeah. And um, another point on the list here is um, your non-negotiables. Keep those as short as possible. And I would say uh, your position, my position on life is a non-negotiable. Right. But you had a little wiggle room in there and you're making that one of those hard stances. Other things in life we've kind of let soften as we've gone on. Yeah. I mean, I think if we look at the the truth by which we live our life, there are some things I will die for. Mm -hmm. There are some things I will fight over. There are some things that I will gripe about, and there are some things I'll just let roll off me. Um, and we have to make sure we understand where those categories fit and where they should fit for us. Um, I, You know, I'm not going to die for you know, for border control. I'm not going to die for, I wouldn't die for the Second Amendment. I'm a big Second Amendment guy, you know, but that that's not a core. Would I die for freedom of religion? Now that's mm -hmm. one that I'm taking to the mountaintop with me. So I, I think it's really important. The older I get and, and, you know, hopefully the more wisdom I have that comes from experiences and observations in my life, the shorter my list of non-negotiable gets. I don't think it's, the fact that I am compromising as much as I'm growing. Yeah. And and so um, I'm just not as interested in fighting as I used to be. <laughs> yeah, well, it well, it's interesting just from my background as well, growing up in Baptist churches and everything, to hear someone say they wouldn't die for the Second Amendment. <laughs> you know, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. I would not. Yeah. Is it is it nice to have? Yeah. Yeah. Is it important to protect yourself from tyranny? Yeah, I see all those mm -hmm. things. The Second Amendment is great, yeah. you know? My position is like yours now. It's evolved over time of like, if we lose that, is Jesus still on the throne? Right, right. Yeah. And used to, you would wonder like, it, he might not be if we don't have our guns and if we don't have this right, and that. And right. so again, yeah, the positions do evolve over time and those non-negotiables do slip away as you start to see the kingdom of God become bigger than the kingdom of America. Exactly, exactly. Um, so we are running out of time quickly in this episode. I do want to, uh, you got a couple more points on here. I think one of the great ones is not every battle um, 
is worth winning or even fighting. I think yeah. that's a great point. Yeah, and I think this is very true in marriages, by the way. Sometimes you win the you. you Sometimes win it's the fight. fun to fight, though, Dan. Come on. Well, it, it's not fun to fight. It's fun to make up. <laughs> but but we're gonna uh, have to put a warning. Turn your radio. <laughs> but you know the reality is, um, at what cost should we focus on winning? And if we love somebody, we want them to feel like they've won as well. And and so I think in having conversations. You know, it's it, it's horrible to to have debates on social media because you're not looking at people. You don't hear the tone in their voice. Sometimes we think we're being funny and sarcastic. And yeah, sarcasm like, does not type well. Yeah, yeah, it, we're just being mean and cruel. Um, so I, I lowering the heat, lowering the volume, uh, not trying to win, but trying to explain. These are these are tactics that I think bring us together and and bring us closer to unity. Yeah. Um. The final point that I want to hit uh, in the last little minute that we have is um, don't let your position dominate your disposition. Yeah. How miserable are people nowadays being extreme left, extreme right, looking for a fight, looking for an argument, trying to hold to their theological stance? I do think it's heavy on some people. Yeah, and I think what's one of the reasons why our mental health in this country is deteriorating. We see more examples of suicide, depression, and anxiety, and so forth. And it's because of the breakdown in civil communication and discourse. And and, and quite frankly, it, it feeds clicks and likes and dopamine rushes that come with, you know, people who follow. And if you if you find yourself where your disposition is being influenced by dialogue or even by your position, it may be a good time to disconnect for mm. a little while. Uh, you know, do a Facebook fast, do an Instagram fast, uh, get off of Twitter. And by getting off, I literally mean, you know, uh, undo your account, um, suspend it for a while. And you're going to go through withdrawals. You're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to reach for it multiple times. Give yourself six weeks. Give yourself two months. My experience is this. At the end of that time, you may you say, you know what? This has been so good. I'm going to continue with some more. Your life <laughs> yeah. is better. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing is you don't want to be defined by your persona. I had to make some changes in my own because, you know, I love debate. And I, I think it's funny to see how people come, you know, out of their shells over certain things. But I realized I don't want people to – oh, you're the Facebook guy. Yeah. <laughs> you're the bomb thrower guy. <laughs> and and so I kind of made some adjustments in, in my own habits, even though I still find it amusing and funny. People don't know me well enough to know that's, you know, it's part of my quirky sense of humor. Uh, but don't be defined by those things. Don't be defined by being the, you know, kind of the, the, the position the philosophical grouch or antagonist or 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 the one who's you know the 40 pound cat walking down the uh, down the alley going or 40 pound rat rather walking down the alley going here kitty 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 yeah. <laughs> you, you, you want to be someone who is known for the character and nature of Christ who stands for truth but does it in a way that it doesn't reflect negatively upon our character yep. or more importantly the character of Christ. Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and the second greatest was to love your neighbor as yourself. So the next time you are having a discussion with someone, you're in a debate, you feel an argument coming on with a spouse, you're discussing discussing your theological position at church, remember to love your neighbor as yourself. That person standing in front of you is your neighbor, so have a dialogue with them with that in mind. That is someone created in the image of God, and you should... Uh, discuss any topic with them with that in mind. Dan, I enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for having me on. We'll catch you you on the next episode of Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well. 
So leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. The Ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.